This is episode 377 of The Real Me and Colon, a movie podcast. On this week's episode, Chase is going to take a look at Tar and Black Adam. One is an awards-worthy contender, and another one is another superhero project. So which one am I going to like better? All that and more. This episode starts right now. What is going on, everyone? And welcome to another episode of The Real Me and Cole in a Movie Podcast. I am your host, Chase Lee. And thank you for joining me on this day or night or whenever you're listening to this. You guys are awesome. And speaking of you guys, if you could spread this episode around and let people know this is your favorite movie podcast to listen to, that would be much appreciated. You know, all you guys' support throughout the days and the weeks and the years and all that stuff has been super important. And um, yeah, I just enjoy you guys' support on a week-to-week basis. Thank you for everything that you do. And hey, listen, maybe there's someone in your friend circle or family circle that's not really into movies. Maybe we could convince them to be a lover of film or you know, maybe someone's looking for a movie podcast and you can just shoot this one their way and maybe they'll get a kick out of it. Who knows? But either way, thank you for everything you guys do. This is episode 377. Like I said at the top, I will be going over as the main topics of conversation are, uh, this is the film from Focus Features and it's Kate Blanchett's uh, kind of awards um, you know, ballot, uh, that she's going to probably use, uh, for the award season. Like this is the film that they're going to really, really push. And then I'll be talking about black Adam and all of its spoiler, uh, go- glory. Uh, so I'm not going to hold anything back. Uh, so just be prepared for that. So those are the two main topics of conversation. But, uh, before I get into all of that, I got to ask as usual, you guys doing pretty good. Everyone doing okay out there. It is actually the end of October. Crazy. I can't believe next week uh, starts the month of November. Uh, the year 2022 has gone by really, really quick. And uh, I just wanted, uh, can you stop that? Can time slow down a little bit? Uh, thank you. Uh, please and thank you. So yeah, uh, it's uh, getting a little colder out. The fall is here. The summer is gone for the most part. There's some hot days still, but um, yeah, uh, we're almost past uh, spooky season and getting into the fall season and uh, wards films and, holiday films like we are entering a new era of film for the year for sure but yeah uh so that is what's uh what's the i guess what time is like uh you know i just can't believe it's going by really fast but yeah in terms of like what i've been doing this week um not really been doing much i watched a documentary uh for you guys uh about louis armstrong that mini review is uh should be going up um here shortly on my channel if it's not already uh and then i'm I saw Black Adam, and then uh, I'm going to be seeing Causeway. Uh, Causeway. Uh, I forgot what the film is called, but it's the one with Jennifer Lawrence. It's kind of her big triumphant return. Uh, A24, Brian Tyree Henry. Uh, I'll be seeing that as well, but you guys won't get that review until next week. Um, and then, oh yeah, so I'm also going to see, uh, I'm going to watch Terrifier 1 at home. And since it expanded to a thousand plus theaters and it's doing really well for a really low budget indie horror film, I'm going to see Terrifier too. So you guys will get, I know either a mini review or you will get uh, it a part of like next week's episode or something, but just know that like that is kind of the prospect right now is I'm seeing uh, all those films. So Causeway and then um, uh, Terrifier one and two. So you guys will get that here shortly. So a lot of stuff coming up. Uh, and then, of course, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Um, that should be happening here shortly because that's happening in a couple weeks. So, yeah, we got a lot of stuff coming. And, of course, uh, award season continues to flare up. So I have no idea 
which ones uh, I'll see and all that stuff. I know Banshees of Inishirin, got to see the menu, um, Empire of Light. So there's a lot of great stuff coming out. Of course, I'm looking forward to the whale, but yeah. Um, so that's what's been going on this week. So very, very busy. And then, of course, um, all these episodes and stuff. And I might have a bonus episode with a movie catch up part three. I haven't uh, thought about that yet, but I might do that. So that is what's going on um, and catching up on all of that. TV wise, um, watch the season finale, series. Fin- I don't know if it's a season or series finale, but it is um, The Patient with uh, Steve Carell and Donald Gleason. That was a satisfying ending. And I knew it was going to go down that way. It was just one of the, it, like, you could not escape it. That's all I'm going to say. If you've never seen the show, I don't want to like reveal like, uh, Steve Carell and like Donald Gleason, like they're why they are stuck together. Um, but yeah, I thought that was a really good season uh, finale uh, or series. I have no clue if they're renewing it, but yeah, I, I'm also watching that show reboot. I'm still finding that to be a hoot. Uh, I love shows or movies about Hollywood or the movie making process or TV process. Like that's, I don't know. It's just always ripe with meta humor. So I really enjoy that. And I think that's it. Um, my girlfriend and I were watching episodes um, together. The, that is the Matt LeBlanc Showtime show. It's for, actually from one of the co-creators of Friends. So yeah, I, I've seen it all before. It's one of those like breezy shows. that's just really, I don't know, you can just watch it and you don't have to really think that much. It's pretty funny and the characters are, you know, fun to follow. So yeah, uh, episodes we're watching on Showtime. So, yeah, uh, that's that's it for that. Um, catching up on Atlanta. Um, man, I just love that show so much. Uh, I can't believe it's almost over. There's only like a few episodes left. I still got to watch the latest episode to Andor, but I'm really enjoying everything thus far. Um, a really compelling Star Wars show. And I'm not even a Star Wars like hardcore fan. I'm just a casual fan. And that show and Mandalorian have really impressed me. Um, and I'm a last Jedi fan. So there you go. Fight me. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, that movie and these two shows and rogue one, I've really enjoyed in the kind of like Disney era, but yeah. So Andor, um, I think that's it. Yeah. Not really much TV that I'm like, just, you know, uh, watching simultaneously. I'm sure I'll watch a few more, uh, this week, but yeah, and there was a couple of big pieces of news that dropped and some trailers that dropped this week, and I just want to talk about them briefly. I'm, I haven't done the, a news and trailer section in a long time. I'll start with the news. The biggest thing that happened this week, you know, people are like, oh, Henry Cavill, Black Adam, whatever. I don't really care about that. DC. Uh, DC Films is going to be uh, uh, run by Peter Saffron, I believe, and James Gunn. That is... Pretty good, actually. I I like those choices. I think they're going to really inject a different, uh, unique style into the DC films that we've never seen before. And I think with them kind of co-running it together, uh, Peter doing more of the business stuff and James doing more of the creative stuff, I'm curious to see what they do. And that's really exciting. So uh, I thought that was uh, a neat little bit of information. And trailer-wise, we actually got the trailer to uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. So that was really great this week. I... I'm hoping Black Panther Wakanda Forever and Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, they're like the catalyst to all of the things that are going to happen to uh, these next like batch of films. 
especially with Black Panther um, being the end of Phase 4 and Ant-Man being the start of Phase 5. I feel like a lot of stuff is going to happen, especially with like Kang being, Kang being involved. The Quantum Realm looks gorgeous and, and freaky and surreal and just otherworldly. I, I, I like the design of it. So, yeah, that was a big trailer that dropped. Um, yeah, and that was, a, that was about it in terms of like trailers and other news stuff. Like th this was a very unusually heavy week. Uh, and speaking of Black Panther, I think their premiere is actually tonight. Um, so that I'm sure social media reactions will come out of that. So be on the lookout. But other than that, that's about it. Um, yeah. So I'm just kind of like laying out the groundwork to all the next films and everything for you guys to see or, or for the reviews and everything. So that is what I've been up to. So I hope everyone else is doing great out there. I uh, hope everyone's doing well. And um, yeah, let's get this party started. When we come back from the first break, uh, I will be talking about, let's do Black Adam first. Um, <laughs> I feel like that one is, is a good one to kind of get out of the way. And then I, I feel like Tar will have the deeper conversation. So um, yeah, so when we come back from the first break, uh, sponsored by uh, it's an, our sponsor, uh, Movie Palette, I will be going over Black Adam. So I'll see you guys then. Hi, it's me interrupting me. And I just wanted to take a break to thank the sponsor of this review, Movie Palette. Movie Palette takes the concept of the movie poster to the next level. Movie Palette consists of stripes of colors carefully chosen by their team of artists. Every stripe represents a color of a particular scene in a movie and is put in chronological order on the canvas. There are so many movies to pick from, and it doesn't even stop there. They also have whole seasons of TV shows. I recently moved and I needed some things to put on my wall, and I was getting tired of putting up traditional movie posters and wanting something different, and Movie Palette stepped up to the plate. The movie palette that I chose was one of my favorite movies of all time, Logan. This gorgeous palette is a constant reminder of how beautiful this film is and how each scene evokes a different emotion all through its language of color, not to mention a great conversation starter. This is a unique piece to any film and TV lover's home, and I want to help you get one. Use the discount code CHASE15 for 15% off of any product on their website. Film is art, so why not display your favorite as such? That's 15% off of your order when you use the code CHASE15. And thank you to our sponsor, Movie Palette, for sponsoring this episode of the Real Man Cole in the Movie Podcast. If you are uh, curious about Movie Palette, please check out um, the discount code CHASE15 down below in the description box and go to Movie Palette and use that discount code CHASE15 for anything off your, your order, 15%. Uh, um, Movie Palette's a really great uh, item to have in your house or, or apartment or wherever you live. So, um, yeah, so let's not waste any more time. Let's talk about, in its full spoilerly glory, Black Adam. So what is this movie about? Nearly 5,000 years after he was bestowed with the almighty powers of the Egyptian gods and imprisoned just as quickly, Black Adam is freed from his earthly tomb, ready to unleash his unique form of justice on the modern world. So there's your synopsis going into it. And I was kind of lukewarm going into this film. I remember back in 2007, um, Dwayne Johnson was announced as Black Adam. Just to put it in perspective on how long ago that was, Man of Steel came out in 2013, and that was the first film of like the new DC era that has kicked off, and that was nine years ago. So his announcement was, quick math on that, 15 years ago? Outrageous. So it's finally here. Uh, on top of all that, the DC films have been kind of hit and miss for me. Like Some of them I really, really love. 
Some of them I think are just okay, and some of them I'm not too fond of. And of course, you know, Dwayne Johnson's very passionate about this. Like he he was on every single talk show known to man. The promotion for this film has been crazy. So I got a little excited towards the tail end of its marketing. And speaking of its marketing, its trailers were awful. Every single trailer that came out for this film, it was just a little backstory of who Black Adam was uh, for like 20 seconds. And then let's just uh, have him fly around, destroy some stuff, explosion, explosion, justice society. Why is Hawkman in this? Who's the big guy? Who cares? Um, but anyways, the, the trailers didn't really elevate my excitement at all. Didn't really expand upon the story. So I had no idea what it was I was even getting into, but I'll still give it a shot. I love all superhero films, Marvel, DC. I don't care. I just want to watch it all. And I'm going to bring up this review in two parts, a non-spoiler section and a spoiler section. So I'm just going to let you guys give you fair warning. I'm going to let you know when I, I give the pause. So I finally saw the film. It is okay at best, but to be quite honest, there's a lot of mishandling of certain things that just make me didn't really enjoy this film as much. I don't really care to watch it again, but I'll give it props on this. Hmm, excuse me. It's better than Morbius. So at least that, it's got that going for it. It's got, it's even got like the same kind of end credit scene set up and I still preferred this end credit scene over Morbius, even though it was like literally the same thing. Um, but yeah, I uh, there's some there's some cool things to like about it. But for o overall, I I don't hate this film. It's just just kind of blah. And honestly, it just there's a lot of stuff that I didn't really care for to where it just it kind of drops my grade down just a little bit. But I guess let's go ahead and just break it down by section because there, there's a lot to to discuss. I'm going to start with the script. First of all, the overall story feels like it was stuck in an early 2000s, kind of late 90s era. It doesn't feel um, like it fits even in this time frame, which makes sense because this was announced um, 15 years ago. Uh, it wasn't as engaging as I thought it would be. It's a very generic kind of storytelling when it comes to these superhero films. Uh, I was a bit annoyed that Black Adam was his was a supporting character in his own film. I even sat there and kind of realized that Dwayne Johnson was speaking in like one sentence lines. And I was like, there's no way in this two hour long movie, he has dialogue that can fill up two pages. There's no way. Aldous Hodge, Pierce, uh, Pierce Brosnan, Noah, even Noah Centineo has more dialogue than he does. So I found that to be kind of annoying. So not only is the storytelling kind of generic uh, from that standpoint, but its own main character is kind of sidelined. And on top of all that, since he is sidelined and we're focusing on other characters, there's not enough depth to them. It's just kind of like we know very little about Hawkman and like how he even got his powers because he's, he's kind of overpowered in this. I don't know how he was going up against Black Adam or even the main villain at the end, it's insanity. I didn't think he was like that strong, but maybe he is. But how, how do I know? I don't really know his backstory. Dr. Fate uh, with Pierce uh, Brosnan. Interesting character for sure. But we were just kind of laid like a basic thing and then he's just kind of there. He does cool things, but like, that's about it. <clears throat> Same thing with Noah Centineo and the actress that plays uh, uh, Cyclone here. Let me... 
sorry, I'm doing this in real time here. Uh, the actress that plays Cyclone, Quintessa Swindle, she was fine. Um, but once again, they have more to do than Dwayne Johnson does. Okay, so story, not really all there. Uh, he is sidelined in his own movie. The villain of this film doesn't even appear until like the last like 30 minutes of the film. It was teased throughout the entire thing, and when it actually happens, it was extremely underwhelming, and it was just gone just like that. And I was like, okay, cool. I felt like there were no stakes. There was no threat to anything. And so that didn't really uh, uh, work well with me. And then the the last thing, because um, I know people are like uh, picking apart the dialogue and stuff. The dialogue is whatever. Some of the jokes are fine. Uh, most of them are pretty bad. But the other thing about this story is that it's literally 90% action. There's like a little backstory here and there for sure. Uh, at the very beginning, uh, after the second act, and going into the third act, some exposition dump. But for the most part, this is just three long action set pieces for two hours. And it's exhausting. It's all set in the same place. They do not move. And if they did, it's not that far. It's just kind of like it's all within this little bubble. So the color grading of like the, the oranges and the yellows and just having that over and over again for two hours in these long extended battle sequences, it felt like I was running a marathon. So <clears throat> that's kind of like, those are my major complaints. And that all has to do with the script, the characters, uh, and the actual direction of this film. It's just, I don't know. I feel like they could have gone a different route with this. I don't even care that the Justice Society is in this but make them supporting characters, not the main characters. It's just kind of outrageous. So director Jomay uh, Collette Sarah has worked with Dwayne Johnson before. Uh, he did the Jungle Cruise movie. I will give Jomay uh, credit on this. There are some shots and there are some particular sequences within these uh, battles that are going on that are pretty cool. Um, he, he utilizes a lot of slow-mo, a lot of uh, really intense uh, violence to really stack on how powerful uh, Black Adam is, which I appreciate. Um, and this is a really violent movie, by the way. Uh, I, I don't mind comic book movies uh, going over the edge, but man, for a PG-13 movie, they were pushing boundaries. But once again, that kind of just shows us how powerful uh, Black Adam is. And the fact that the darkness within him can overtake him one of these days and he could be just an unstoppable force of evil in the future of these movies. And that that's kind of exciting for me as a character to have him just go full-blown uh, villain. Because in this movie, he's in the gray zone a little bit. Definitely, he's not really good. He's not really evil. He's kind of living in that gray zone where he's doing some bad things, but also he's doing some good things as well. So, you know, he's getting there. But... um. Yeah, uh, and speaking of that, they didn't really do much with that either. Uh, but once again, that kind of has to go back to my original point of like he feels like he's, he's his own supporting character. So even when we get to know Black Adam, it's through like two exposition dumps, and that's it. We didn't really get to know who the character was or, you know, uh, what was his thought process. Like, nothing. He was just floating around half the time, uh, getting into, uh, you know, fights, and then 
you know, we, we would know a little bit of his backstory, but like we didn't get to know him like as a fish out of water scenario. This is a man that has been woken up after 5,000 years and it really didn't seem like that phased him at all or didn't really feel like um, it, it, there was like any urgency to this. It was just like, he's just there. So, and that has to do, like I said, with the writing and a uh, directing standpoint. Jomei, like I said, had some interesting ideas, but for the most part, these ac action sequences are kind of drawn out. The color palette on this movie is just straight up just orange and yellow uh, for a lot of the scenes, and it gets uh, a little grating sometimes when you're watching it. Um, and it's just a movie that has some really great VFX, but for the most part, it's just a loud movie, and it doesn't really have any point to it all because by the time it was done I, and the credits were rolling i was ready to get out of there so yeah i i didn't feel like the the vision for this film was at a hundred percent on either the directing side or the writing side it was just kind of like just there just a, a movie that was like just checklisted off of dc so they can get to the finish line so they get set up for the next movie that's what it kind of felt like so okay performances I'm going to start with everyone else uh, and not Dwayne Johnson. Um, Aldous Hodge and Pierce Brosnan were my favorite parts of the movie. Hawkman and Dr. Fate were my favorite parts of the movie because they, they brought, these gentlemen brought personality to their characters. They brought something to their characters to make them stand apart and make them feel like they're a part of this universe and have them feel grounded. I liked their performance. Uh, Noah Centineo is fine. They're definitely making him like the Deadpool of this universe. And uh, uh, Quintessa Swindle. Uh, she was fine as Cyclone. But once again, this is not their movie. They're just kind of sprinkling them throughout. But like, if you're going to give us them the most out of Dwayne Johnson, make them more interesting and like have a lot more to them than, oh, they have powers. We just called them up. Now we're a Justice Society team. Okay, I didn't feel like there was any history between these people. It just felt really random. So, um, and everyone else is fine. Let's let's move on to the man of the hour, Dwayne Johnson. I I appreciate the fact that he's been pushing this movie for as long as he has. He's been promoting the heck out of it. He is really great at marketing. I was not feeling him in this role. I, I really wasn't. And it's not because he was sidelined in his own movie, but I also felt like his performance wasn't there either. The majority of the time, his character is just stares and grunts and posing in that position where you can see uh, his chest and his triceps and uh, his neck muscles and just standing there. And so it is a physical performance. Doesn't mean it's good. But I just never felt like he was in it 100%. And I get it. He's a big movie star. I like watching him in movies. But it just didn't work for me in this. Now, I will take it back. If he's in another movie, <laughs> excuse me, and he's a thousand times better. I will, I will be totally fine with Eat My Own Words. But for his own movie... 
I felt like I was watching Dwayne Johnson, a really well-crafted suit than Black Adam and the history with his character and, you know, his, his original name with Teth, Teth Adam. Didn't really feel any of that. So we'll see what happens in the future, but for his initial first outing, it, no. Um, the visual effects are pretty good for the most part. I was actually pretty impressed that they were able to have as much green screen and um, I don't know if they used the this um, the volume or anything, but there were some scenes that like it looked really well blended. And, you know, obviously like Dwayne Johnson's flying, so he's going to have to be in front of a green screen the majority of this film. But I I actually liked most of the VFX. It was though that did not bother me. Um, the uh, costumes were also really well done. Uh, every single person had an amazing costume. And I've been to the Warner Brothers lot now and I can like say this like when I was going through like their costume area they had a a, a Shazam uh, costume there the detail in those suits are immaculate like they are amazing um and everyone's suits here so costume wise I thought everyone uh, uh pulled it off in that regard so like I, ta I talked about the VFX like I, I mentioned this earlier but I didn't really like the color grading in this movie it was just like I said nothing but orange and yellow uh really just kind of mutes everything and just it just gets really stale after a while. And here was actually my favorite part about the movie. The score. The score was actually really, really good. Um, I When I was listening to it, I thought it was interesting because every single scene, uh, scene that Black Adam was like when he was fighting or like when he was, you know, uh, talking to the Justice Society or grunting or whatever he was doing. What I liked about it was it was music conflicting with itself. The themes of Black Adam and some of these fight sequences are kind of battling each other with like heroic themes and like um, something like a, a villain would have as it, uh, their theme song. Like I felt like there was there was chords and there was notes and there was um, um, swells of these notes that really felt like they were battling. Uh, good versus evil like as you know black adam is doing the same thing so the score felt very anti-hero and i kind of like that it, it adds you know a bit of uniqueness to this film uh, and that was probably my favorite part bar none so yeah i really like the score um okay yeah that's it for non-spoiler um i'll talk about just basically two things um the obvious one and then another one for the spoiler section but yeah, just this movie's not really for me. Um, at most, I would say it's okay. Um, if you don't want to see it in a theater, you can watch it at home. It's fine. Um, but yeah, let me know down below what you thought of this film, whether you liked it, loved it, or hated it. Um, and please let me know because uh, I'm curious whether people had fun with it or not. There were some moments where I did have fun. I'm not going to say it was just complete, just drab, but um, everything else just kind of outweighs that and it just kind of cancels it out for me. So, okay. Uh, spoiler section in three, two, one. I'll talk about the obvious one here in a second. Dr. Fate, probably the most interesting of all the characters. Pierce Brosnan died. And I was kind of a little upset because I'm like, I would I would wouldn't have mind to have seen him in future films. And so now there is a loophole around that. You know, Dr. Fate's helmet uh, can choose people. 
to become the next, you know, person uh, of that power set. So there is open opportunity for other actors to come in, or maybe like Pierce Brosnan again. Some I, I don't know, but that was upsetting just because, like, come on, man, that was the he was one of the best parts of the movie. But yeah, so uh, I didn't think they were going to kill off Doctor Fate. Honestly, I thought they were going to kill off one of the other ones because Doctor Fate seems like the type of character that could carry on in future stories just because of his power set. Um, kind of like a mix of like Wanda, uh, Maximoff, and um, Doctor Strange. So. Okay, so the end credit scene. Once again, it reminded me a lot of Morbius. You have the character of your film interacting with another character, and the other character goes, we need to talk. Let's team up. Let's do this. Let's do something. Group up. Let's chat. I, I don't care what the variation is. Like They're all the same. So in the end credits scene, we do see Henry Cavill come back as Superman. Uh, Black Adam is uh, talking to a monitor and Amanda Waller's on it. She's like, listen, you better watch yourself or I'm going to, you know, um, basically sick some people on you. Um, and Superman comes down from the heavens. Uh, he slams down, walks out, and he's like, we need to talk. I will say this. I've always liked Henry Cavill as Superman. I have no issue with that. But once again, I'm getting kind of sick and tired of like the the end credit scenes. And this goes for Marvel too, where it's literally just someone popping in for a clap from the audience and they're just like, we need to talk. And I'm like, was that even necessary? And th this even goes more to my point. This end credit scene was filmed in September. This was filmed last month. So... Whatever. Um, anyways, the scene was fine. I like Henry Cavill as Superman. I love Man of Steel. I love the R-rated cut of Batman v Superman. I love the four-hour cut of Justice League. So I've enjoyed watching Henry Cavill as Superman. And to be quite honest, I really love his suit. It's uh, it's really bright. Um, it's definitely a different shade of red and yellow and and blue and everything. It's it's a different look, but I really enjoy it. But yeah, the end credit scene wasn't really anything. It was just more of like, hey, Henry Cavill's back. Cool. But I, I'm getting sick and tired of the we need to talk ones. Please stop. And that is my review of Black Adam. Please let me know down below what you thought uh, about the film, whether you liked it, loved it, hated it, all that stuff. I want to read your comments. When we come back from a second short break here, I'm going to be going over Tar. This is the awards push for uh, Focus Features. I'm sure they'll have a couple others, but like this is the main one for writer-director Todd Field and Kate Blanchett. So how will it fare out? Is it Does it warrant the, the hype and the praise, or is it just something that kind of falls by the wayside? We'll just have to tune in when I come back. And welcome back from the second break. Let's not waste any more time, and let's talk about Tar. So what is this film about? Set in the international world of Western classical music, the film centers on Lydia Tarr, widely considered one of the greatest living composer-conductors and first-ever female music director of a major German orchestra. And also in this fictional world, she's an EGOT winner, so she got a lot of prestige, a lot of respect in the uh, orchestral kind of music community, and so she's highly respected in what she does. Um, that is where our film starts, and there's a lot of twists and turns in it. That's all I will say. But 
Going into this, like I said, uh, there was a lot of awards chatter for Kate Blanchett and possibly writer-director Todd Field. So there was a lot of momentum going into this in terms of how it would play in the awards season. And of course, I got to watch all those. I got to get I got to prepare myself for all the award nominations. So, you know, this was just right up my alley. I love award season. So I never saw a trailer. And so I kind of went into it blind. I'm literally just going off a of word of mouth and just kind of like it's awards buzz for Kate Blanchett in particular right now. I saw the film. I really, really like it. I don't know if I love it. Uh, first viewing, I'm comfortable with saying it's a, it's a top 11 through 20 of the year. Maybe if I watch it again, it might be bumped up. But I was pretty floored by it. Um, and it was quite the ride for two hours and 38 minutes. Um, and there's definitely a lot of highlights. So it was an interesting experience, but I'm definitely recommending this film. But I will prepare you for that runtime because it is a beefy runtime. Uh, two hours and 38 minutes is quite long. Um, so just know that going in, it takes its time. There's a lot of uh, scenes that are just straight up just dialogue. It's just two characters interacting, and it provides a lot of context and story for for those characters. Uh, but just know that it, it is a, a bit um, of a slow burn. But I think that slow burn is warranted, and when the climax happens, it's very, it's very powerful. There's a lot of pathos uh, in there, and it's a lot of dramatic weight. So... I think it was worth it for the pacing, but just know that going in, 2 hours and 38 minutes is quite long. Okay, so let's start with director and writer Todd Field. What I love about Todd Field uh, writing this story is that he himself kind of acts like a composer and a conductor uh, while we are watching this. He takes you through so many ballads and so many choruses and there's this emotional roller coaster where he's taking you up and down and left and right, and you have no idea where this story is going, where these characters are going, and there is a mystery that's at the core of all of this, and it's a really great character study on um, Lydia Tarr and just how she uses her power and her influence. Does she use it for good, for evil? Has she lost a little bit of herself? Codfield takes us through this odyssey of this character figuring out what she has lost along the way and what has really kind of put her in this corner where she has to kind of figure her way out. Um, and I guess without spoiling anything, it's like the past is catching up to her. That's all I'll say. And we are essentially watching someone fight for their life and career, and we're watching a downfall. Um, but there is something to be said about this character and the way Todd Field kind of takes us through it. Because what I really like about not only the way it's written, but Kate Blanchett's performance is that Todd Field takes us from her being a hero in our eyes to slowly being an anti-hero. And it's really hard for us to empathize with her when there are certain revelations found out about her but at the, at the same time, I do feel a little bit for her. I feel a little bit sorry for her. But that's, that's the complexity with this character, and that's the depth that you need for these types of characters, and that's what makes the film interesting. Um, and so I like the way it's written, and we get to see like this kind of like slow, slowly like torn apart um, journey of this person and their career, and uh, it's fascinating. Because um, like I said, it's not just this, one note layered person it's a it's a very complex 
person that has some good in her and has some bad in her. And so I, I like that. I like that um, that she is a, a fully realized human being. Like human beings are this complex. Like no one is uh, black and white. Like there, there's a lot of people in the gray zone. And so she has done some very bad things in this film. Um, but you can still kind of feel sorry for her. And I think, like I said, having that balance um, with Todd Field's writing and Kate uh, Blanchett's performance it was really fascinating to kind of see that dance uh, between her performance and his dialogue. Codfield is a director. There's a lot of interesting visual sequences in this. Um, he utilizes a lot of nightmare sequences to really kind of get a, get across like what Kate Blanchett's like headspace is like and what, how that anxiety in her is really kind of bottled up and just kind of explodes on her um, when she's sleeping. I thought those were really interesting and just not only do they add a lot of character to lady guitar but also just from a nice visual component like i was freaked out uh in certain scenes um and uh i thought it was really effective so i think from a directing standpoint there is a lot of table conversation so not a lot of the cinematography is you know exciting you know it's it's a lot of uh, back and forth shoulder shots in a lot of these dialogue scenes but man when there's a chance to be like remotely um like creative with like dream sequences or um just some of the uh ending things with the climax i think todd todd field really kind of uh brings it out but i will say that all these dialogue scenes are not wasted like they do add a lot of character to these characters whether it's uh lydia tar talking to one of her other composer friends or one of her mentors or one of her students or her um her lover or her child like you know, all that stuff I, th I found to be fascinating. And then, um, like I said, once her life kind of falls apart, you're like, eh, you, you are a very bad person. But then when we get towards the tail end and we see like, she's still like really passionate about music. It's like, okay, so she was once a great person, but the power just got to her head and she chose to use it for bad. And so, yeah, just, I, I can't, I can't tell you like how fascinating this character study is. Um, but um, Todd Field as a director, I think really brought this like wonderfully abstract and visual component to the nightmare sequences, to her anxiety, um, really showing off like the kind of noir kind of look to like nightlife. And I, I don't know, I, I, I kind of liked um, the visual component to it. It really kind of painted a a beautiful yet kind of drab environment that she's in but that kind of fits her character. So, um, cause she, she looks like she is the, uh, you know, the hero that people look up to, but deep down there's a lot of stuff going on that is really disturbing. So, um, yeah. So, and also, uh, it's one of these films that is not pretentious. It's not anything that's so abstract that people are not going to understand. This is a very straightforward movie about someone's downfall and like just, um, um, who they are as a person. Uh, so I don't think any of the visual cues are going to be so weird and off-putting that people are like, I, I don't understand that. It's like, no, this is a pretty um, straightforward movie. Um, and I think for the length of the film, two hours and 38 minutes is kind of long. So I would understand if that's just too long for people. And to be quite honest, you could probably chop down some of those conversational, scene, conversational scenes. Um, but then again, messing with the pacing 
of this film is is kind of you know it, it's kind of the point and like some of the themes in it's the movie is like controlling time and what a composer conductor's job is and um building up emotional swells at the right moment and like controlling it from you know a time standpoint so you know todd field does that and the editor as well but yeah I, some of the stuff could be chopped down but i enjoyed it for what it was everyone's performance in this film is great Kate blanchett takes it to a whole nother level um there are moments where she is this this confident teacher and mentor she knows what she's talking about there are certain scenes where anxiety gets to her and you really see like the a mental breakdown of this person you see her in a very negative and bad light and she is horrific like some of the the facial acting and some of the body language that she exudes is terrifying like there was one scene where she has had enough and she goes to storm towards someone that face is um it will haunt me for a while. Um, and then there are moments towards the end where like you can kind of empathize with her just a little bit. Um, even though she's done some very bad things, you can definitely um, empathize with the fact that she has lost her way and she has uh, abused her power. But deep down, she's still passionate about music and you kind of hope in the future she can get back to that in some way, shape or form. But right now she kind of just, chose the wrong path and this is the price that she's got to pay but all of those complexities and all those emotions and feelings are exuded through the dense monologues that she has to go through um the the physical acting that she has to go to to really sell us that she is a conductor Kate blanchett really just shows us what a master class in acting is all about this is an acting film um, and I really love it from that standpoint. That's probably my favorite component about this. And honestly, if I had to pick one thing to put in the awards consideration for, it would be her. Um, I think she has the best shot out of everything in this film. But she is incredible. And I mean, she's always incredible, right? But there was something about this performance where it had so many layers. It had so many dimensions to it that she tackled all of them with ease. Uh, there are certain scenes where we like her, certain things, certain scenes where we hate her. I mean, it's just she she takes us through um, an emotional roller coaster that is um, it's really compelling because it really kind of plays with you as an audience member. Like, well, I don't know, like, can this person be forgiven? I don't know. Like, so it, it raises a lot of interesting questions too about power, how people use their power. Um, and do those people regret certain things if they abuse their power? Like, it's a really fascinating character study. And once again, I think Kate Blanchett takes just what Todd Field wrote and just takes it to the next level. The music is also really great. Um, you know, with the kind of original score that this film has, with also um, hearing the uh, kind of older orchestral pieces, you know, from like Bach and Beethoven and stuff like that, all that's integrated. But the original score to this is very disorienting. It's magnetic. It's a little bit of 80s, I believe, influence. I don't know. It was very. It was a very interesting score. And, you know, nowadays with so many movies coming out, like your score has to kind of stick out. And I think this one did that. Um, so I would even put this up for like a nomination of like original score. It's, it's that good. It really sets the mood and the atmosphere for the entire film. Really just kind of this surreal um, quality about it, which is also kind of 
uh, playing into Lydia Tarr's life where it, it's kind of got this surrealist aspect to it with uh, not only of um, her accusations that she has against her, but like her anxieties and stuff like, so it, it fits her character for sure. But, uh, and then uh, the last shot uh, of, of the film really just kind of, it, it just, it sinks into you as to like, wow, this person has gone through a journey and look where they ended up. So yeah, I don't know what else more to say. Um, yeah, I think I, I touched upon all the stuff I really like about it, but yeah, uh, this is definitely a film that takes the complexities of someone's moral code and puts it on screen and has us asking a question. Yes, um, they were in a position of power and a position of influence. And they took advantage of that. Can they be forgiven? We saw many shades of this character show us that she actually has a heart and, and, and true emotions and she's not this cold robot. So could this person find some type of re rehabilitation and come out on the other side? Like, that's the question you have to ask. And there might be some people that watch this film like, I hate Lydia Tarr, understandable. There might be some people be like, I do not like her, but I can see her if she ch changed her ways like and paid the consequences and came out on the other side, she could go back to being her original self. I could also see that. So that's what's fascinating about this entire film. But um, I really, really like it. Top 11 through 20 for me. Got to rewatch it. Maybe a top 10. But I would recommend this film for the award season. But just be aware of the two-hour and 30-minute runtime. You're going to have to schedule some time out for it. And that is my thoughts on Tar. Uh, please let me know down below what you thought of the film, whether you liked it, loved it, hated it, all that stuff. I would like to know your thoughts on it. And that will do it for episode 377 of this fantastic movie podcast. Uh, um, I, I don't know if it is fantastic, but I've heard from outside sources, a.k.a. me, that it, it's doing pretty well. Uh, no, but um, thank you for joining me on this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. So next week, episode 378. Um, I think uh, I'm going to be doing this in real time because I haven't really thought this far. But I think my first... Um, film the main film that you guys will get is causeway um which is the jennifer lawrence brian tyree henry from a24 so i think i'll do causeway and maybe terrifier 2 as like the double feature <laughs> for next week's episode you know something uh uh completely different and then something you know that's family oriented you know uh ter terrifier 2 it's just meant for all families no I, i'm being serious don't take your family to see it but uh yeah so uh i think those will be the two that I will do next week. So I will do an A24 film and a really ultra violent, uh, low budget horror indie film. So that is what you'll get for next week of this crazy show. And of course the following week will be black Panther Wakanda forever. So that will be, um, uh, your next two weeks looking forward. And of course, any small review that I have, I will also just kind of place on the channel. So just look out for those. But uh, yeah, that will do it for this week's episode of the Real Me and Cold Movie Podcast. Thank you for joining me. My name is Chase. You guys are awesome. Please spread this around and let people know this is your favorite movie podcast to listen to. Thank you to our sponsor, Movie Palette. And I'll see you guys next week for another crazy episode of this show. Goodbye. Goodbye.